0: And in the confidence that God goes before and goes after, he knows when I stand, he knows when I sit, he knows what I say. I'm trusting him that what God has put on this man's heart will now resonate with us along the restoration man theme. So, Father, I pray for Rod. Give him the words to say. Give us ears to hear what you're saying and build your kingdom here in this place, Lord. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Uh, it's great to see you all this morning. Great to be uh, amongst brothers and sisters, isn't it? You know, the, the title Restoration Man obviously refers to Nehemiah, I guess, uh, because he's the, the main subject and uh, we use his memoirs. that They form the basis of the book. But really, the ultimate Restoration Man is Jesus. And um, he is the one who uh, not only restores us individually, but he is the one who is building his church and, and is seeking to restore his church. And it was interesting that when we were meeting together and discussing those uh, verses that uh, Nigel gave us, uh, we never got beyond fear because we, we all face very difficult situations. And in a sense, what we're dealing with this morning are situations that we face... Uh, that are difficult for us. So we're looking at Nehemiah chapter 6, there we go, and I've called to this this uh, conflict and completion, because in Nehemiah chapter 6, although the walls are almost finished, there, there's still fierce opposition to what is going on, in Jerusalem, the the people around, the people who've been settled there for for now a good few years, and were not part of the Jewish people in that sense, were, were very against what was going on in Jerusalem. So, although though the work was coming near to an end, there was still opposition, and I think that's something that we've got to be aware of. You know, we may think things are flowing along nicely, or we may not, the walk and all of that, but. The problem is when things are going well, that is when opposition can, can strike us both as uh, a people together and individually. You know, take heed the one who stands, you know, you watch out in case you fall. And that, that is the thing that we've got to remember. So, um, in this chapter, Nehemiah and the work are attacked in four ways. Kidnap. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) False accusation, that's not so good. Compromise and infiltration. And nevertheless, with all these attacks, nevertheless, the walls are completed, the wall is completed, and the gates are set in place. So, underlying this chapter, we see the victory of God. Whatever else we say, underlying the chapter, is the victory that God wins. And of course, we stand in a greater victory, don't we? And that is the victory that Jesus has won over sin, Satan, hell, death, and he won. We see that in his resurrection, and we're part of that. Now I, I do have a problem with with um, interpreting a chapter like this I think one of the problems that we can face is that we can so spiritualize what were real historic events and we trivialise them You know Jeremiah and the, and the people with him faced real opposition it wasn't it's not a fairy tale it's an account Of what was practically a war and I think sometimes we so spiritualise it that we trivialise the story but actually today there are believers in Jesus who are going through exactly the sort of things that Nehemiah had to combat according to Open Door's watch list North Korea for 20 years has been the most dangerous place to be a Christian. Christians, if they're discovered, are often whipped off to labour camps and they are lucky to get out alive. It is hideously dangerous to be a Christian in North Korea. And we look at the scriptures and sometimes we think, oh dear, I'm in a bad way. Not compared to them, we're not. And yet, incredibly, the church grows. That's number one on the list. Number two on the list is Afghanistan. And that was even before the Taliban took over again. Now, fortunately, they have abolished the the death penalty for becoming a Christian, but if, if you convert to, to, to Jesus as a Muslim, one of the things that can happen to you is you're carted off to a psychiatric hospital because they think you're mentally sick. We don't know the sort of pressures that our brothers and sisters in Christ are under. We have it easy, even when we face opposition comparatively. Now, I'm not trivialising what we go through, but let's bear that sort of thing in mind. Okay, the first attack was kidnap. We're in Nehemiah chapter 6, and the first verse is here. (laughs) When word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that point I not set the doors in place, Sambalat and Geshen sent me this message, come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me, so I sent messages to them with this reply, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down, why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. What were the enemies trying to do? They were trying to lure Nehemiah into a place that was a day's journey away from Jerusalem. And do you think they were going to talk to him reasonably? No. And so he was saying... at the time, I can't take, spend a day going down there and then talking to you, coming back. That was, that was Nehemiah's ploy. He knew what they were going to do. They were going to kidnap him. And perhaps much worse. He feared that he would never get back to Jerusalem if he went to the enemy in that way. You know, talking about real events... What happens to many Christians in Nigeria? What happens particularly to young women who are Christians in Nigeria? Boko Haram, which is part of of Islamic State, really. They kidnap them. And there were were a whole host of of schoolgirls kidnapped years ago. Most of them have been released, except one. Why? Because she refuses to convert to Islam. Now, that's real kidnap. But actually, we face a spiritual kidnap. There are all sorts of things that the enemy can use to entice us away from Jesus and from his work. And they can be good things. They can be worthy things, even. You know, I mean, of course, it can be things like sport... Or hobbies, or clubs, or, or even social work. But it can even be your Christian ministry. Yeah, you know, I can tell you this from experience that one of the dangers you can face when you're working full time, pray for James in this, is that your work, your position, your success becomes more important than Jesus more important than God it's a danger who are we seeking to honour ourselves or Jesus real danger beware beware spiritual kidnap so how did did Nehemiah stand up against uh, stand up against it he said, I'm not doing that. He discerned what was going on. He could see through the enticing words of the enemy. He could see through their outward ploy of making peace. He discerned the reality of what was going on. He, he stayed close to God. He asked God about it. And he was committed to his people. I can't leave this work, he said. He knew that it would stop, actually, because he was the motivator there. He was committed to his people. And actually, on our sort of level, that's the way we can avoid spiritual kidnap. God, am I really doing the right thing here? Is this really what you want? Am I discerning your will for my life in doing this? Are my motives what, you, what they should be? Are the expectations that I'm, I've got what you expect? I'm not saying this is easy, folks. This isn't easy. But it's saying, God, am I in the right position? Am I doing the right thing? Am I serving you in the right way? And it's keeping close to our brothers and sisters. so that we work together. You know, one of the dangers that we face is that we make our faith so personal that we're so individualistic. We've swallowed up Western culture in that way and we forget that we're accountable to each other and we need each other. We need to encourage one another and support each other, and move together. That's that's the first one. How am I doing? You know, very rush on. <laughs> Second attack. <laughs> False accusation. Where are we? When verses five to nine. Let's let's go on. Then the fifth time, Sam Ballot sent his assistant to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter. That's important, because that meant anyone could read it. We're not in the days of emails and phone calls or whatever here. If you sent an unsealed letter, it was for public consumption. Right. So this is what was in the unsealed letter in which was written, it's reported among the nations and Geshem says it's true, Mm, back this up with fake news, come on. (laughs) It's reported that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you are building the wall. Now this guy knew that wasn't true but he'd taken a legitimate thing and twisted it. Fake news. Nothing new under the sun, folks. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king and have been even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. Getting worse and it's getting fanciful here. There, there, To make this proclamation, there is a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king, so come, let us confer together. Or oh, we have your best interest in heart. We've constructed fake news, now we're going to talk to you about it. I sent him this reply, says Nehemiah. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. <laughs> It's like the stuff I read this morning about the virus, which they reckon vaccinations reduce your immunisation to everything else to zero by January. What a load of cobblers, never mind. Anyway, (laughs) they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. Oh, dear me, false accusations. That's, that's what Nehemiah was facing. And you know that's what brothers and sisters are facing around the world. There are pastors in Iran, particularly Iran, but other places as well, who are in prison under false charges of working against the state. Why? Because they're Christian. We need to pray for brothers and sisters who are in prison, literally, because of false accusation against them. Now that can be awful here, of course. There are accusations made about church leaders, about church members, and about the church as a whole. And you know, one of the tragedies is, isn't it, that a lot of those accusations today are true. Isn't it sad when tales of abuse and manipulation of power and all the rest of it come out and it's proved to be true? That's tragic. Uh, that, you know, there's, there's a whole podcast now, which some people say is good, some people not, about what happened at Mars Hill in the USA with Mark Driscoll, very famous church a few years ago, that's now collapsed because of accusations of power and the abuse of power. But the devil makes false accusations and we need to be on our guard. I know I've said this in other contexts but uh, I don't think generally on a Sunday, the worst thing I ever faced was I was, I was uh, clearing up one night after a Sunday evening service, so it was years and years and years ago when we still had Sunday evening services, my goodness. And this 13 year old boy came in, who I knew a little bit and he started to make accusations against me. I have never been so frightened in all my life. And it was in the days when it was said, believe the child, not the adult. Now, fortunately, it worked out fine. The first thing I did was go and tell one of my fellow elders that that had happened. But the next week, his his much bigger and older brother literally dragged him by the scruff of the neck to me to apologise. So thank you, God, for that. But we need to make sure that we walk the talk so that the enemy cannot throw accusations at us. You know what I mean by walk the talk? What I say is what I do. And I do what I say. Wow. that's that's the defense. Meet it head on. Don't shy away from it. Sometimes things happen in churches and we try and duck, duck out of them. We actually need to meet it head on and say, what you say, Satan, is rubbish. And we're having none of it. But at the same time, we, individually, together, must walk the talk. And don't forget the prayer. Third attack compromise. Where are we? Verses 10 to 14. One day I went to the house of Shemiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabal, who was shut in his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple. Let us close the temple doors, because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, Should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? He, Nehemiah, was being enticed to go to a place where he should not go. A place reserved for the priests, which Nehemiah was not. And this man said, oh, you know, people, come to a place of safety compromise yourself so that you get an easier life I realised God had not sent him it's a false prophet but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sabalat had hired him he had hired he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me You see what's going on here? Compromise, get a bad name. And there's a prayer. Remember, Tobiah and Sabalot, oh my God, because of what they've done. Remember also the prophetess, Naodia, and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to intimidate me. So Nehemiah was facing false prophets. Do you know Christians in China are forced to compromise? particularly those that are in the official church, they have to declare allegiance to the Chinese state. They have to declare their allegiance to the president. They're even beginning to publish Bibles in China which skews stories in favor of China itself. We don't know what we face here compared to believers in other countries. And China is the rising power in the world. It's tough and getting tougher for brothers and sisters in China. That sort of compromise. But what is compromise for us? Do you know, compromise has changed over the years, hasn't it? Do you know, when the cinema came out, a lot of Christians said, don't go to the cinema, it's a place of wickedness. Oh yes, my uncle was drummed out of the Salvation Army for going to the cinema, because he left his cat there. It was before the Second World War, mind you, years ago. It wouldn't happen now, believe me. I don't think. I don't know. But then when television came along, now, I I don't know about you guys, but actually, I I was in a household that had television right from the beginning because we lived in Surrey. Oh, yes. (laughs) So, and my Auntie Fanny, yes, my auntie Fanny thought that television was not really spiritual and especially on a Sunday. But the trouble was, she came to Sunday tea when I was five, six years old, and I wanted to watch Martin the Mule. <laughs> Annette Mills was John Mills' sister, by the way. Um, and you know, she actually decided that it was, was in the end okay to watch Muffin the Mule on a Sunday evening. And it began with Here comes Muffin, Muffin I oh, don't get you. <laughs> And compromise has gone on. You know, dancing. Oh no, Christians don't dance. We had had a a young people's reunion when the charismatic thing was in full swing. And one of the guys that I was in youth group with, I I think he asked me six times, do you dance in church? We did actually, but I avoided the question each time. (laughs) But compromise today can be a serious thing, can't it? There's great pressure from society. You know, the climate change thing, yeah, we need to deal with that responsibility. responsibility. Racism is awful. Let's deal with that responsibly. <laughs> but there are other things. So many pressures for us to conform, which we need to deal with, with compassion, with grace, with love, but biblical integrity. pressure to compromise is great. Oh, let's keep the grace of Jesus in all of this. So, what was Nehemiah's defense? I'm not going. I'm going to stay close to the word of God. What you're enticing me to do is wrong. And I can see it in what God says. It would be easy for me to go, but I'm not doing it. I need help here. You know, among Corinthians, the Corinthians say, everything is permissible. Doesn't that sound a bit like society now? Huh? And notice how Paul responds. He doesn't come down with the sledgehammer, but he says no but not everything's beneficial. We, we need to say, folks, there's a better way. And it's with Jesus. And finally, the fourth attack. We needed an infiltration. Verses 15 to 19. Nearly done. So the war was completed on the 20th month of Elul in 52 days. Pretty good going. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realised that this work had been done with the help of our God. So Nehemiah and all the rest had built the wall and set up the gates, but who was behind it all? The Lord. God had done it. And they'd done it in record-breaking time. 52 days. Also in the days the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. For many in Judah were under oath to him. Oh boy. And and since he was son-in-law to Shechaniah, son of Ara and his son Jehoihan had married the daughters of Meshullam, son of Berechiah. Moreover they kept reporting to me his good deeds and then telling him what I said. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. So The last thing that Nehemiah discovered that there were people amongst them that were communicating with the enemy. Spies within the church in China. Do you know that the Chinese authority deliberately put people in churches to spy on them and report back? When I was at college, we had three Russians over from Moscow Moscow Baptist Church in the days of the Soviet Union, obviously. One of them was KGB. KGB. There to keep an eye on the other two. He was a nice guy, actually. I ended up teaching him English, and he gave me a title. It was a present. I thought, trust me, to get the KGB guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was true. He was there to keep the others in check. I think, actually, seriously, that may have been the first seeds of a concern for Eastern Europe that was planted in me quite seriously. So, this is not one, maybe, that is, is quite so relevant to us, except in this way. Let's make sure that we're all pulling in the same direction, that we're on the same page. Today. The defence, as I've already said, let's be committed to the Lord, first of all, and to each other so that we all move together in the same direction. Not knocking out differences, not knocking out different points of view, not knocking out different perspectives, of course not. But essentially, moving together. One in Jesus. Superb? Superb. Because Jesus has won the victory. And so the walls are completed. Hallelujah. The gates are in place. The city is secure. The city is open for business. That's what we want in there. A secure people who are nevertheless free to come in and out and serve the Lord in whatever we do. And finally, the Lord is glorified. Who did it? God did it. Amen. Amen. Let's let's hang on. Where am I going to? Heaven.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On Tuesday.
1: No, Heather and I go up to Romania. (laughs) Uh, We're going to the next best place. We're going to Romania. Well, we 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 will be talking essentially uh, with church leaders. I'm I'm speaking at um, a a full house group, then a leaders house group, and probably on a Sunday, spending time with each elder, uh, meeting with them, etc. etc.
0: Father. I want to thank you for these two. I want to thank you for their willingness to go and serve abroad. Father, I know Rod's been, <laughs> how can I put it, um, agitated, but he hasn't been able to get out for a while. But Father, I really pray that this season, this week that you go for, will be fruitful. Your kingdom will be established stronger. And, Father, your name will be glorified. Father, help him build the walls that make the, the city secure so it's open for business to build your kingdom. Keep them safe, Father. And, Father, may it be a joyful, joyful time for them all. We ask it in your name. Amen. Thank you. Just a question, Rod. You know you said the KGB gave you a typing. It's not a microphone, is it? <laughs> Do you
1: know, it was, a, it was a little thing made of amber. There you go. No, 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 no. no. It was before then. <laughs> yeah.
0: God is good, isn't he? Do you feel chosen? Do you feel part of a body, that the walls are up and secure? Are we open for business? Let's go and do it then, shall we? Father, we just thank you for being here with us this morning. Thank you for willing guitarists. Thank you for people who operate computers, for the PA team, for those who have set up. Father, we just thank you that we're a family. We're a family on a journey. Make it joyful. Make it fruitful. And Father, may it glorify your name. Amen. Amen. Go and enjoy your day, people.